our keynote going. Um, Sarah, would you mind switching it over? You'll have to close out ProPresenter. So we're going to jump right into the message. And it's not starting soon, it's starting now. Kids leave any snacks? Yes, I think they did. Just close out. Did anybody bring Bibles or did you bring your phone? We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 19 for a few minutes this morning. So if you want to turn there with us. Luke chapter 19, Luke is after Matthew and Mark in the New Testament. All right, will you join me in prayer again? As we transition, we're going to see what the story has, what the Holy Spirit has to say to us through this story. God, thank you that Scripture is the story that we find ourselves in, in in many senses of that phrase. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you'll speak to us this morning as we as we engage this passage and hear your heart. And I ask that we would sense you inviting us deeper into you, because you're a good, good father. We want to respond to that invitation. So Luke 19, go ahead and pop it up there. All right, nice, and it actually fits on the screen. We are taking technological strides forward here at Coastland. Let's read the story, and then we're going to go back, and we're going to look at it from two different angles. So we'll just read through the whole thing. He, anybody want to guess who he is? That is always the right answer in church, right? To every question, so you guys are right. He is Jesus. Jesus entered Jericho. That should bring back some memories for some of you that are familiar with the Old Testament and walls and trumpets and horns and lots of things. But Jesus is passing through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to his death. And a man was there named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account, on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. Like Nathan. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because Jesus was going to pass that way. Many of you are familiar with this story, right? We have the little song you sing in Sunday school about a wee little man. Is that the one? I've totally flunked Sunday school. I'm sure none of you are surprised by that. But Go ahead, Taylor, to the next When Jesus came to the place, 
he looked up, obviously seeing Zacchaeus in the tree, and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Wow, that's not very kosher, right? When's the last time you invited yourself over to someone's house? Don't tell us, because we don't do that, right? So he invites himself over. So Zacchaeus hurries down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to the guest of one who's a sinner. I thought about acting this out, and I was like, who could be a tree for us, and who could be, but then I just thought it's going to be awkward if someone's sitting on someone's shoulders the whole time, and we're just not going to do that, so just use your imagination, all right? Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and save the lost. Amen. Enjoy the rest of your day. You don't need to share right now, but does anybody find themselves anywhere in this story? Anybody relate, relate to Zacchaeus, kind of scrambling to get a glimpse of the Lord? Feeling like you can't see from your vantage point? Or maybe, I don't know, sometimes I can tend to be that grumbler, like, really, God, you're doing that for them? Don't tell anybody, but sometimes I'll do that. Really, Jesus, you're going to meet them? That's pretty... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Scandalous. That's pretty scandalous, God. So let's go back to the beginning. Taylor, if you don't mind, I'm letting you have control this morning. So I want to point out a few things to you guys, and then I want to share with you how this passage is convicting me. And then we'll take some time to process. Jesus is entering Jericho, and he's passing through, and a man was there named Zacchaeus. Names are a little bit significant in Scripture, aren't they? So Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector, and he's rich. Do you think this guy would be pretty well-liked by everybody? Before I tell you what his name means, just think about this for a minute. Do you know the difference between a chief tax collector and a run-of-the-mill tax collector? A run-of-the-mill tax collector would kind of be the, they'd be the ones that would sit at the tables and just collect. Um, I'm trying to think of a modern-day analogy for it, but they'd be the ones that actually collect everything. Like, they take it in their hands, but a chief tax collector was, he was like the tax farmer. He was the one that was in charge of all the other tax collectors. So he was like the head honcho. He was one that had all the money rolling through him, and what would happen in, in their world so, obviously, where they're at, for those of you that aren't as familiar with the story back here, they're occupied by Rome, by the Roman Empire. And so the Romans came in, and they would charge them incredible amounts of taxes. Imagine, I mean, none of us get excited around tax time unless you get one of those nice refunds, but imagine being taxed up to 40% of your income. <laughs> yeah. 
Some of you guys are like, yeah, okay, well. So Zacchaeus was one of the ones that the Romans would come to these different entrepreneurs and they would say, all right, which of you are going to basically be the manager of all the different tax collectors? And what these people would do, Zacchaeus, for example, he would have to pay this money up front to the Romans and then he would go and collect it. He would pay it in advance up front and then he would have to go and collect it. And you could imagine that there's probably a little bit of corruption going on to make him rich. Imagine how you'd feel about a person like that. I mean, think about the people these days that Zacchaeus would be the one that when he walks down the street, people kind of like cringe at best and flip the bird at worst, or I guess worse things, but the dude was not very well liked. You know what his name means? His name means pure, innocent, and in Aramaic it means clean. Do you think Jesus knew that? Was that the identity Zacchaeus was living out of? Mm -mm. Somebody's listening. So Zacchaeus, and it's interesting, it also says that he was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So to be short in this time would probably mean he was less than five feet tall. And I think there's more going on than just a statement about his stature. I think that this is saying he's a small person on the inside as well as the outside. He was not liked. He was corrupt. He was just a small human. So Zacchaeus runs ahead and he climbs a sycamore tree. I don't know when the last time was that you spend time hanging out in a tree. But for Zacchaeus in the first century, for him to be a person of that wealth and to first of all run and second of all climb a tree would have been incredibly shameful. There is no honor, first of all, in him running and second of all, in him climbing a tree. He is humbling himself profoundly in order to catch a glimpse of Jesus. Anybody have the words of Jesus echoing in your mind? Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus sees Zacchaeus humbling himself to run and climb this tree. And Jesus looks up at him. And he says, hey, Zacchaeus. Now here's a question for you. How did Jesus know his name? Well, because he's Jesus. But that's the only way. It never tells us how Jesus knew his name. But obviously Jesus knew much more about him than the fact that his name simply was Zacchaeus. Jesus picks him out of the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, come down from there. Will we go to that next one, Taylor? He says, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurries down and was happy to welcome him. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the way that the Jewish system worked of being clean or unclean, but there were these purification rituals and laws that if you would touch certain things or do certain things, then you'd be considered unclean, and you had to go through these processes to be purified again. For someone like Zacchaeus to even enter into your house would make your house unclean. 
For Zacchaeus as a chief tax collector to enter into your house and be assessing all your goods would make your home unclean. Do you think Zacchaeus knew that? Do you think he felt the grime that people felt coming from him as he goes about his job? And how does Jesus respond? He says, hey, I'm coming to your house. Do you think that the homes that Jesus went to were considered unclean? Jesus, the traveling prophet and teacher, there was so much honor surrounding him because these whole crowds would follow him that for Jesus to go in someone's home would just be like flooding it with honor and respect and reverence almost, or stature, socially, status. So Jesus says, hey Zacchaeus, you who make other homes unclean, I'm going to come and make your home clean. I see you. And so Zacchaeus, they, well, oh, we went, can we go back one, Taylor? And those who see it begin to grumble. He's gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. We've heard this before, haven't we? Jesus, seriously? You're going to hang out with someone like that? Zacchaeus probably heard this. We don't know if the next conversation happens in Zacchaeus' home or out there at the crowd still. But Zacchaeus' response is, all right, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to take half of my possessions. Contrast this story with a story from one chapter prior. A rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, Sell everything you have. and Give it to the poor. And then come and follow me. And the rich young ruler goes away sad. Now, we're going to talk hopefully in a few weeks about what this man meant by eternal life. And I would propose that he wasn't saying, what must I do to go to heaven when I die? But Zacchaeus knew the demands that Jesus placed on those that were wealthy. And Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give away half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. That's an intense reaction, isn't it? That's a lot. Back through the Old Testament, there were different laws about if you had stolen something or taken somebody from something from somebody. There were different amounts of restitution you were required to give. The maximum one was four, maybe five-fold. All the rest of them were like 20% on top or um, sometimes just you know eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth sometimes straight across, but the maximum one was four or five. Zacchaeus says, I'm going to go to the absolute maximum to pay back everything that I've taken. There is a profound transformation happening in his heart. Zacchaeus is going from being a vacuum, a consumer, a taker, a black hole, to being someone of abundance that gives out much more than he takes for himself. Does that happen to any of you when you met Jesus? Then Jesus says to him, today, salvation has come to this house. We're going to talk about that next week. Because that is one of the most loaded statements ever in Scripture. Today, salvation has come to this house. Because he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. I want to 
want to say one thing quickly about the lost here, because this is one of Jesus' mission statements. Three of the Gospels have these statements they hinge around. It's like the first half of the Gospel happens, and then there's a statement, and then the, it splits in two. It's like the climactic point. In the Gospel of Luke, this is the climactic point of the Gospel, the statement of Jesus. For the Son of Man came to seek out and save. This is the passage, the statement that the whole gospel leads to and works out of. Now I have a confession for you all real quick, and then I'm going to, well, I guess I have two confessions. So my first confession is how I used to understand the lost. Anybody that grew up in the church familiar with that term being thrown around? The lost. It's a term that I think we need to use kind of carefully, but what it used to mean to me growing up, especially being in the missions world, The lost were the people that were too arrogant to give their lives to Jesus, that were too proud to ask directions, so to speak. It's like, oh, they're so lost, as in they think they're too good for this Christianity thing. Anybody ever have that kind of underlying sentiment when you would hear the lost talked about growing up? Maybe not that extreme. It's it's definitely not a value statement, is it? (laughs) You're so lost. Oh, thank you. High five. But someone pointed out to me a few years ago, and this totally reframed, and I see this happening in the story of Zacchaeus. Think about the very definition of being lost. You can only be lost if you have somewhere you belong and you're not To be lost, by definition, is to have somewhere you belong, and you're not there. Do you see how this works in the story of Zacchaeus? Jesus is saying, Zacchaeus, this is not where you belong. You belong here in relationship with me. We don't understand the weight of Jesus inviting himself over for a meal at Zacchaeus' house. We can have relaxed social barbecues and we'll bring people that are way different social class, and, but most of the time we, we hang out with our friends. But for Jesus to sit down at a meal with someone in the first century was a sign of absolute uninhibited acceptance and intimacy, saying, I accept all of you and all that you represent into my life and into my reputation, into my heart, my fold. Jesus says, Zacchaeus, you've had somewhere you belong and you haven't been there. Let me show you where you've always belonged. So I finished my master's degree, I think, uh, last Tuesday. Um, I say I think because my stepdad, who's a CPA, he's the one that always kind of keeps your feet on the ground whenever you start to get a little excited about something. I was like, I turned in my final paper for my final grad school class. And, you know, the normal reaction would be awesome. And he said, well, do you know that you passed? (laughs) (laughs) Touche. So that's why I say, I think. (laughs) But what I've found is that I've had like 15, almost 20 hours of my week and almost half of my mental RAM kind of opened up now. I've come into new vistas of space, mentally and emotionally, because I don't have this thing weighing over my head. Some of you know what that experience is like, right? And I feel myself kind of starting to float away. (laughs) I have this 
intensity of restless energy about me right now. And I'm like, okay, what do I do with this? Like, where do I take it? Who needs it? Where, do I, what, where am I going? And I can relate to Zacchaeus because I feel like I don't have a sense of being grounded right now. There's a sense like Jesus is coming through and I need to get up in the tree. I need something to kind of prop me up. I need something underneath me so that I can get a glimpse of Jesus. And that's a question I would, there's a couple different ways to look at this, but will you think about that for a moment? Zacchaeus, it says that he's short in stature. He feels small. He is small. So he needs something underneath him in order to make himself be noticed and be able to notice. You see that? Zacchaeus needs something underneath him to make him be noticeable. One question we might ask ourselves is, do we have something like that? Is there something that we do? that we think will help us be noticed by God. So this is where the confession part fits in. I was a missionary in China for five years. Do you think that there was any piece of that that was kind of hoping that maybe I could get God's attention by the amount I was willing to sacrifice? By going to do that? None. But I'm sure for other people. Or maybe it's even daily things. I mean, I don't know, is... What might be some things that Christians today do to be noticed by God, to raise our spiritual stature in the eyes of God and others? What things come to your mind? Quiet times. God, if I have a quiet time, will you notice me? Leadership roles. Anything else? I'm not asking you to make personal confessions, just generally speaking. But we have these things we often do to kind of, hey, God, look at me, look at me. Here I am. Do you see me, God? And now here's the interesting thing. I'm not trying to say that these things are bad because often we can have this reaction to performance Christianity, which is what that can become. And we'll say, well, those things are all bad. Having quiet times are bad or doing this is bad. We just need to relax and just be and just rest. But notice that Jesus notices Zacchaeus up in the tree. It works. Zacchaeus' attempt to get God's attention actually works out incredibly well for him. That's a catch-22. Jesus notices Zacchaeus. Okay, so what's the point? What's the first thing Jesus says to him? Hurry up and come down from there. Because that's a dangerous place to live. Being up in a tree might be fun for a little bit, but you don't want to live there. So Jesus says, hurry up and come down from that because I'm coming to your house. I want you to come back to where you belong, and I want you to realize I'm there with you. As I was thinking about this, it felt so abstract to me, but at the same time was convicting me really powerfully (laughs) because I can relate to that. And this is what I think, this is what it was speaking to me. The problem isn't that there's a tree that we try to climb sometimes to get God's attention. I think the problem comes when we confuse the tree for the house. 
and we begin to live out of and find as our source of identity all those things that we use to get God's attention. And God says, yes, those are fine. I'll notice you in that. But you need to remember where you live. You need to get your identity recalibrated. Here's kind of the difference that that it speaks to me. The difference between climbing up the tree to be noticed by God versus climbing up the tree because you are noticed by God. And Zacchaeus, he says, all right, Jesus, you accept me. You're bringing honor into my home. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pay back everybody. I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor, and I'm going to pay back four times as much. There was a profound shift in Zacchaeus' way of being, and I think that it had to do with Jesus recalibrating his sense of identity. Jesus was calling him back to who he was originally supposed to be, pure and innocent and clean. Jesus says, don't live out of the tree, live out of home, and you can climb the tree as much as you want, as long as you remember which one's which. The problem is that makes all the sense in my head and my story right now, but some of you guys might be like, what is he talking about? And where did he study Bible scholarship? <laughs> I like that the Holy Spirit can use Scripture on a lot of different levels to speak to us. But the invitation that Jesus was giving to me was, hey, will you quit trying to do all these things to be noticed, and will you just realize that I do notice you, I embrace you, that I've come home to you and invited you home to me and everything else? can come out of that. But here's my question. Can you feel the difference in your own life of when you're trying to kind of live out of the tree and when you're living out of home and just kind of playing in the tree? Does that make any sense? Am I too out there in the clouds? Anybody with me? (laughs) Okay. And so I just sense Jesus giving me an invitation. Hey, come home. Come home and live out of that. I think I realized that for me, most of my relationships were determined by, before Jesus met me, they were determined by how much I took. But after I met Jesus, I found that there was something going on in me that I was more inclined to give than to take. And I think that's what we see happening in Zacchaeus. And one other thing, um, just quickly, And then we'll process. Today's salvation has come to this house. I think I'm getting ahead of myself. But I think... (laughs) One of the things that we've done in the Western church is we've made salvation into like this line we have to cross this prayer that we get to pray, and then everything else beyond that is kind of extra credit. Would you agree? It's like, well, I've got saved. And it's like, oh, well, you might consider discipleship. And people are like, nah. (laughs) I've read those demands in the Bible. I'm fine. (laughs) Saved is A-OK for me. All right. I'm just going to bleed on you guys this morning. Can I tell you, can I take my confession to the, the next rung down? You know what happened to me when I got saved? Youth don't listen. When I was in eighth grade, a lot of my friends, they would come to school. They would come to my house. My house was in the walking route to school. They would come to my house, and 
we would go out my back door and hop the fence into this church parking lot, and my friends would all get high. And I would sit there, and I would watch them just kind of pass the, you know, the pipe around, and they would all get high. Is this, is this being recorded? This is, what am I doing right now? I do have a point I'm trying to make. But I would never do it. It was the weirdest thing. My friends would just pass the weed around, and I, I would just sit and watch. And they're like, do you want to partake? And I say, no, I'm fine. And then the most interesting thing happened. As a 15-year-old, I prayed this prayer, and I got saved. And so you know what my logical conclusion was? Oh, sweet, I can smoke weed now because I'm saved. <laughs> Why are you guys laughing at me? I feel really vulnerable right now. I'm the only one that's ever had that thought process, right? You're laughing because of how ridiculous it is and how no one ever... How broken is that concept of being saved if that's what I think it's for? And apparently you guys can relate. And what I notice in the story of Zacchaeus is that he doesn't just say, oh, sweet, I can go do this with more vigor now because I'm going to heaven. He says, oh, wait a minute. This is calling me to a profound change in how I live. And it's all included in this package of salvation. Now, you guys get that, but sometimes I think our language in the church needs to catch up with what our hearts know to be true. And that's what I can't wait to talk about next week. So this is what we'll do right now. Um, we have some, some youths in here. Um, Dan, Dina, you guys want to? Um, I, I have a couple questions that I'm going to pose to you all. And, and I'll drop the questions. And then um, junior hires, high schoolers, anyone in that age range, if you want to sneak out with Dan and Dina and J&B, you're welcome to go with them or stay. Um, but here are some questions that I would propose. Is there any tree that you've been spending some time in to maybe be noticed by God that Jesus is inviting you down out of? Or another question might be, is there maybe a part of your life that hasn't really caught on to salvation yet? To phrase that question really weirdly. Is there, is there a part of your life that Jesus wants to bring salvation that maybe you haven't included in the realm of being saved that Jesus wants to touch and heal? Those are some things that we can think about or anything else that kind of comes to you guys as you process. But So yeah, youth, if you want to, I invite you guys to, to sneak out if you want. Or you guys can even hang out in the, in the back. Um, You guys can, how about blue picnic tables? Is that what you're thinking? All right. So, yeah, feel free, you guys, back there to join them.
let's do this for a couple minutes, and then um, I'll give you some time to process. But who has something that, that as you're hearing me talk, you're like, well, just, who, who has some feedback or some, something that kind of goes with this that you're thinking, yeah, this is, this is the way I see this land. Yeah, it's interesting how much of this is on Zacchaeus' initiative, huh? And it doesn't give us the impression that it comes out of compulsion or guilt. It's like, whoa, I messed up. And I'm going to make it right. Yeah, Sarah. Nathan, and then we'll, yeah. Can you guys hear that in the back? Will you, will you preach that at them? Real quick? No, I'm just kidding. Will you share that to them, too? Uh, Philippians 2, like 14 or something like that. <laughs> Uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling is how it's often translated. Instead of just being that, that one, you know the right thing to say, you know, you've got your ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. It's a lifetime. It comes with homework. I used to, I, I often equate encountering Jesus or, or salvation with, remember the Mentos experiment? Where you drop a whole thing of Mentos in a thing of Diet Coke. Have you done that or seen that? We'll do that on the floor here in the gym and we'll see what the custodians think. But, you know, you, so you take a whole tube of Mentos and you drop it in and then the reaction created literally will send the, the Diet Coke like 15 feet into the air. And, and I think salvation is one of those things that truly when we meet Jesus, it's like, all right, do that and then try to put the cap on that. And I think that's what we see in Zacchaeus, right? It's like, but it's not the other way around. It's not him trying to shove something in. It's something, yeah. Phil, are you going to add a layer to that? Yeah. Right. That's, there's a, I don't know if you guys know Pastor Jose Rivera down at Five Cities Vineyard, but he was talking the other day about how in this story he's been challenged just that, does he see the Zacchaeuses? Does he see the people that are climbing the trees trying to get a glimpse of Jesus? And will he be the one that sees not only who they are, but who they could be, you know? the way Jesus saw Zacchaeus for his full potential and, and who he's supposed to be and, and drawing that out and inviting that into relationship, you know, so, yeah, thank you, Phil. Yeah, Tracy, question, it looks like, or comment? <laughs>
Absolutely. Like this story, if we... Man, you guys get me going. Um, the thing with Scripture is it's so... And we've talked about this before, but it's so easy to kind of read Scripture like an encyclopedia, or like a textbook, or just like, oh, well, here's kind of what happened. But, but think about the emotional and relational dynamics that are loaded in the story and being able to like feel that embrace that Zacchaeus feels coming from Jesus. And I think you're right on it. He's like, whoa, like, you embrace me? And out of that, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. But I wish we could get the weight of Jesus going to Zacchaeus' house to have a meal with him. And the, the social ramifications of that are absolutely riveting. It's, right, the ones that we think are yeah, far away. And Jesus yeah. is like, salvation's at this house today. Yeah. Hmm. Well, let's do this. Um, because I, my prayer, my hope, and let's, we'll just take about five minutes for that. And if you're, it's, it's 11.25, so those of you that need to be time conscious this morning, that's kind of where we're at. But um, Brett and Taylor, would you guys mind coming back up? And I want to invite you just to, just to see if there's something that God... Let me step back and rephrase that. As I was reading this, I felt a fresh invitation from Jesus for me to kind of sense my at-homeness in him instead of need to be any other place, you know, the tree or out in the crowd or wherever. Um, it might seem like a kind of big shift from what we've been talking about, but I just want to create some space that we could maybe let the Holy Spirit give whatever invitation to us in this time. Um, maybe there's really some kind of sense in which Jesus is saying, hey, we come down from this tree Will you kind of engage this activity from a different place? Or maybe Jesus is saying, hey, I just want to remind you that you're at home with me and that you're accepted by me. And do we ever, can we ever hear that enough? I mean, so um, they're just going to play lightly kind of in the background. But I want to invite you just to, to think and just listen for a few minutes to the Holy Spirit and say, what are you saying to me right now in this time? Jesus, thank you that we've all in some, at some point in our lives, we've scrambled up a tree to try to get a glimpse of you. And thank you that you noticed us. Thank you that you desire to seek out and to rescue and restore those of us that are lost. Thank you that we had a place where we belonged and you did not rest until we were there. So would you remind our hearts right now this morning in a way that only you can do of our true home? Holy Spirit, would you help us be super, super familiar with the feeling of living out of our acceptance in you and help us to be really sensitive to the times try to live to gain acceptance by you. Would you just speak to our hearts that you notice us this morning? Yeah, I invite you just to kind of engage Jesus right now. Is there an invitation you're offering me? 
So as, as we've been sitting and listening and reflecting, the, this is the sense that, that I'm kind of being challenged by, and I'm, I'm putting this out there if it applies to anybody else, but um, I feel like this restlessness that I've been 
feeling personally over the last week or so. It's just kind of an indicator that I've been living a little bit far from home. Like I've just kind of forgotten, not forgotten who I was, I've just kind of wandered away a little bit from that place of settledness and who I am and my belongingness to God. And um, Maybe there's someone else in here that you just feel like, hey, you know, I've been living a little bit, a little bit away from home. And it's not a bad thing, Jesus still sees us, but Jesus is saying, hey, just, just come back to that centered place. And so I personally would like prayer. If anybody would be up for praying, I think, just that I could move from restlessness to restfulness. Uh, I think it was St. Augustine that said, um, our hearts are restless until they find rest in God. And I don't think that's just a one-time thing. I think that's an ongoing thing. So if there's anybody else that feels like you um, would like prayer, would you just turn to someone around you or find someone that you're familiar with and, and just ask them? Uh, yeah. Anybody have another layer or anything that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you to kind of add on top of that for praying for each other? Yeah. Both of you, yeah, let's... You have something? Yeah. What? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? <laughs> 